Hey out there, I'm John. This is Johnny. Hey! And we are back for another week of Talk About That. Mm. Some call it a podcast. I would never say that. It's unnecessary, I've been told by my uh, co-host. It's an episode. It's a slice. It's a it's a section. Right. And there's no reason to keep calling out what it is. Uh, right. So you say. No. But what if someone's confused? What if they stumbled across? They're just in their playlist on iTunes right now, and they happen to hit Nobody's going to think, like, this movie ain't got no pictures. Like, they know. <laughs> they know what's happening. It's a funny sounding song. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. how you doing, man? I'm okay. I'm tired. Uh, I had a long uh, few days. But good. Um, I was a part of some competition, a comedy competition that comes to Nashville uh, they came to Nashville this year and it was at a comedy club downtown and I had won that contest in 2010. It's called the clean comedy challenge and there's club comics and other, uh, Christian comics who want to get better and they win this big prize or whatever. And I had won it in 2010. I remember my, that. The first trophy that I ever won. Wow. First, in your life. First and only. In your life. In my life. Wow. Yeah. It's still on my mantle. It was a big deal. Wow. It was pretty Absolutely. cool. Well, I remember. I mean, it's not a big deal cause it was a big dumb thing, but I'm saying like. Well, but you were as unknown. somebody who never. I remember you were an unknown who entered the contest. Like there used to be a comedian that I know, and he would talk about like uh, if you go to like a regular kid's house, he's got like trophies and plaques. If you go to a fat kid's house, certificates, <laughs> ribbons. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, my daughter wants a trophy bad. Yeah, she's never won a trophy, so we did a tournament where they won like first place in the silver bracket or something. Yeah. You know, it was like the second place bracket, and in some tournaments they give a trophy for that. And this one they did not. So we missed it by that much. Man. So then she had a school uh, thing the other day, and she won Mm -hmm. the art award for third grade. And then she made principal's list and everything. We were all happy. But the ones they give trophies for, she didn't win. So she got a certificate for the art award. I'm like, guys, could y'all not give a trophy for that? Just give the kid it. But here's the deal, though. She's got to earn it, Johnny. I'm not one of those give your kid a trophy. You can buy trophies. I'm not going to buy my kid a participation trophy. Okay. Here's a trophy. I told her, though, it's not going (laughs) to satisfy her. I did all that stuff. But... Right. In, in, in the end. Well, know. now she's going to listen to this and be like, but Johnny seems pretty satisfied with his. <laughs> He's got a pretty good life. <laughs> Why is it on his mantle then? <laughs> no, it really was kind of a cool moment. And so they asked me to come back this year because it's their, I guess it's their ninth year, 2018. So yeah, I can't remember how that all adds up. But anyway, so their ninth year of the Clean Comedy Challenge. And uh, I was a celebrity judge. Nice. And I got to perform as well. Is that um, the first time someone's called you a celebrity? Mm, probably. Wow. How'd it feel? It was in quotes. Did they give you a trophy for that? <laughs> yeah, an extra trophy just for that. <laughs> no, it was pretty cool. So two days in a row, two nights of shows uh, for that, uh, 18 comedians doing three minutes, and then you know we would choose our top four. By Did they the let end. the judges do any time? Yeah, so we all got to do time in the okay, show, good, good. which was really fun. Uh, and I got to meet some really cool people and some really some talented folks, yeah. you know. Um, and so I had two days of that. So Marty Simpson, who's my uh, probably my best friend in comedy, right? Uh, he uh, I've known him for many many years, over ten years. And so he um, he stayed at my house uh, those two nights, and then that rolled right into the CCA, which is the Christian Comedy Association conference. It's a lot of C- CCC, CCC, yeah, right. Uh, and so then um, I had comedians in my house basically every day for the last five days. Some up to five comedians were in my wow. home. Up to five sleeping. At night. Up to five sleeping in my home. Wow. And Curry didn't go away this time. Like, Curry planned a trip with her sister last time to go, like, be away. That was smart. Last and time. this time she was just like, well, because they're leaving for a trip this weekend. They're going to Hawaii. Uh-huh. She's going without me to Hawaii for 10 days She's with her sister. She's going to Hawaii. Yeah. I'm going to Illinois. Wow. Yeah. You blew it. So she couldn't very well be like, let's, I'm going to come in your house. So she had to work all the way through. So she was working every day and then coming home and there'd be people in her home. And, wow. But it was, a, so they were long days. So conferences and late night shows and, and all that. So there's a lot of, uh, a lot of catching up with old friends though, which is great. It's kind of like, uh, for me, after, after I've done this for a while, those those events are less about networking and getting work. It's more about like summer camp, uh, especially cr- uh, Christian Comedy Association, because that's where I've met all my weird friends and yeah. everybody that's ever meant anything to my career. Really, those relationships started at CCA. So now it's just a time to be like, I'll call all them up. You're coming, right? You're coming down, right? You know. And that's so awesome. um, it's time. like summer camp, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, reunion time. Yeah, man. It's. Uh, when I first had a moment, I may have still told this before, but like um, when I first figured out 
that there were other people like me. I call it my bee girl moment. You remember the Blind Melon video with the girl in the bee costume? Do you remember this video? I don't. It's like a big, there's a big MTV video from this band called Blind Melon, and it's uh, called, the song was called No Rain, and this girl was like in a bee costume dancing around like an eight-year-old girl. And all the kids are like pointing at her and like laughing at her. And then by the end of the video, she's standing in a field, and this gate opens up, and there's all these little girls in bee mm. outfits. And she starts dancing around with them. And she found her tribe, in essence, is the big. Yeah. And so that's kind of, that was my moment. That was like, oh, these people are broken like her I'm swarm, broken. Her swarm, if you will. Her swarm, if you will. Yeah. Um, so that's that was my moment. So I think since then I've just been, that's that's the cool thing is like being able. And I wanted as many people to stay with me as I could possibly have because it's like that's when you really can have deep conversations. And oh, but there are late nights. They were late. They were super late nights. Yeah, yeah. Some guys didn't go to bed till like three a.m. Then we'd be back up at nine because there's yeah. sessions during the day, clinics about getting better at stand up and how you uh, turn a cold call into a warm lead and you know other buzzword kind of well, titles and into a hot opportunity. Oh, yeah, that's right. Good look <laughs> out, world. <laughs> but yeah, so it's always fun and um, yeah. Um, Darren Streblo stayed with me, who uh, you know. You know yeah, Darren. He's Darren. great. has a comedy radio show, and we're going to try to get him on the podcast. Yeah. But I love him so much. He's just such a great guy. And we have deep conversations, you know, about um, comedy and what's, you know, we just kind of go deeper than most than most of my other relationships, I feel like, as far yeah. as comedians, you know. Because some lot of people kind of, it's more surfacey because they, they're always on sometimes. Right. That's not really true of most of my friends because I run from those people if they're always if they're always funny and always on, I'm just like something's wrong here. Right. That's a red. That's a red flag for me. Yeah. But people assume that that <laughs> yeah. comedians are that way. Yeah. People will assume. I remember people would ask me when I wrote the Tim Hawkins book with him. Oh, but he's just crazy all the time. Yeah. And I was like, no, actually, he's really, really chill. Yeah. Most of the time, and just he's just a dude, you know, who who's happens to be able to be funny anytime he wants to, you know. And yeah, most comedians I know are introverts, and uh, which blows people's minds. Um, I think people are more educated about it now, though, as far as that we know that an introvert is just somebody who kind of recharges by themselves, versus it just means that you're a, right. a wallflower and you're curled into you're a fetal position all day. Yeah. Right, yeah. Um, I think I have. I'm on the on the spectrum somewhere of that because I don't think it's an either or thing. I think I'm somewhere closer to introvert, for sure. But I definitely have moments where I enjoy being around a lot of people. Yeah. If they're my people. Now, if it's just like, like I don't have a panic attack at a U2 concert right. because everybody's there. I think it's kind of a cool energy that everybody's there. So a true introvert would be like, can't we just watch this on DVD or whatever? Right. That's that's not me. Yeah. I like big moments and big. Big things. No, I do too. That's exactly how I am. I, I have times I want to be big with with big groups, but then other yeah. times I don't. Sadie is so funny. She she knows that she she might be an ambivert. Like she enjoys both. Yeah. But if she spends like she's at a VBS this week, and if she's been around people a lot for day in and day out, then she'll actually come home and go, guys, I'm going upstairs to have my introvert time. <laughs> like she'll <laughs> wow. just say it. That's you know, funny. It's already in her. Three, it's already in her lexicon. It's in her lexicon. Of, she she take three four hours. She'll go draw or knit or make something. Nice. She makes her own board games and puzzles. And huh. She'll go up there and then, you know. In fact, it was so funny. Um, we were driving uh, to the lake on Memorial Day. I don't know if we talked about this before, but yeah, Sadie had been with with people for a bunch, and then mm-hmm. she just needed her own time. So she had taken like a whole day and just kind of did her own thing, and. When we got in the car, like she talked to me, I mean, for at least two hours straight incessantly, like right. just talk, talk, talk. And I look, turn to Laura, I go, I mean, it's great. You know, <laughs> I go, what is going on? She goes, well, she recharged. <laughs> like yeah. she had her day and now yeah. she's ready to engage. Then you had again. to pull over and go into the woods. <laughs> I was like, I'm say, sorry. I'll be this back. Too much. <laughs> you threw the keys. I'm out of here. <laughs> Figure it out. I'll find my way back. Dude, I do love, I'm running because the weather is so nice. And I've finally got back to where I can pull off I need that. some consecutive miles. And then I have some areas. So if I run about a mile from my house, there's uh, Percy Priest Lake over there. And, and I have this spot. So I'll run and time it to end my, you know, whatever my yeah. timed run or my length of distance is. 
can't think of the word right now that would help here. I don't, I don't really do words, Johnny, but uh, I try to time it right in front when I get back to this spot. And it's John just, run far. <laughs> John, not fast, but far. And I'll I'll come back, and that's my like spot, my my me and Jesus and think about life and yeah. look at the water kind of introvert spot. I do think – I think everybody – in fact, I had this thought the other day that, you know, theologically and, – and, and I hope if you're listening, you don't freak out about this. Mm. Theologically, I'm really exploring what is in so much of our worship songs and so much of our lexicon on a – especially on a evangelical charismatic side of things when yeah. we talk about in a worship song god come down you know yeah. god you know fill this place you know with your presence and those kinds of things and i don't know how to reconcile that with theologically because and the reason i even ask these questions is i think there's some harm that can be done to uh, an emotional engagement yeah. of god that says look you know how I know God is here because because I feel this. Yeah. Like if you, if how you know God is present is because you feel this, then trust me. After twenty years of ministry, especially right. in youth ministry, there's going to be some real moments yeah. uh, of disappointment, disillusionment, confusion. Moments when when things don't feel right yeah. because it'd be like saying I'm only I'm only married if I feel this, or if I'm only married if I right. Where are the butterflies now? Well, I'm sorry. Yep. And that's why people you know. in marriage go, well, you've changed. I don't yeah. feel the same way. And it's like, well, yeah, that's kind of all the vows you took were for. Yeah. For Richard. Yeah, it's so funny. Or, I was thinking know. about that the other day because um, I think I read an article about it or a tweet or something. But it was something. And I was sent it to Jeffrey, and he thought it was so interesting, too. It was right before he got married to Allison, uh, our friend Jeffrey. And uh, I, it said, falling in love, if you put all the symptoms down it, and then you think about why it goes away. It's because it's the same symptoms of like uh, panic disorder or like <laughs> being uncomfortable in essence. Like right. you feel clammy. When she comes around, my heart skips a beat. All those things. I didn't know what to say. She took my breath away. It's like these are unhealthy things. <laughs> right. And then when you get into a healthy relationship with somebody, you go, oh, she's a person like me. I still love her. I care about her, but I know she's not perfect now and all those things. And but if you really like crave that other stuff, it's like, what are you craving? Like, what are you really after? Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. If, if you become addicted to the feeling attached to the person, then it's and anxiety and the feelings need to come. And yeah, go. I mean, I think that, and that that's where I was getting at. Like I, I'd realize there have been several days, and I've, I've boiled it down to this term for me. And, and first, I, and I'm exploring this, it's just because I'm an introvert, and I don't think it is. I think it's scriptural. Like, okay, God's present, whether you feel him or not. Yeah, It's really important, I think, for all of us to believe that. God is just as present when you feel him as he is when he is not. So, when you, sorry, as he is when you don't feel him. And he's he can't be less present than he is. And, mm -hmm. he, and the Bible says he's as close as the breath on your lips. You know, like he's as near as the words in your mouth. So like there's this there's this confidence that should come. But there's also, I think, the invitation, and I'm going to use this term too, a quiet place. I do think there's something important about the quiet place, but I don't think it's because that's where God is. I think it's because that's where we shut up. Yeah. And that's where we have a moment to become aware of where God has been the whole time. Mm -hmm. But that, that invitation is not about God. You, if you'll just show up, well, look, God can't show up more than he is showing up right now. Yeah. Like that, that for me, that's been the shift, but I, but I can't also disregard. And I think there've been times I have, you know, as of late going, okay, well, that's cool. I was going to trust God's with me and I'm going to go and I'm going to pray as I go. But, man, there is still something about quieting yourself, yeah. something about having a moment of reflection where you are disconnecting from. And, again, it sounds dumb. Everyone's like, well, you're saying you don't do your private devotions. And, I mean, that's such a given. But I think it's such a given that we don't know why we do it anymore. Right. And, and we begin to equate it as It's like if, obligatory and, and – yeah. Uh, yeah. And we, and, or it's so stimuli related. Like, well, I do it because I feel this way. Well, yeah. I mean, there's going to be times you're going to have quiet times. You feel – you still feel nothing. 
But the quiet time is God's invitation to you. It's not like, God, we in, think about it all the time. We invite you, God. To go. You don't need to invite God to come down. He's mm-hmm. already come down. He actually pursued you before the foundations of the world, before you ever knew you needed him, before you were born. Like he's, he's the one giving out the invitations and all the stories of the parables. It's the king sending the invitation. It was never the peasant sending the invitation to the king or begging yeah. to come to his house. So, yeah. You know, it, it's a – What was the story in the Old Testament where uh, the, the enemies of God were like blinded? Is Elisha. And then is Elisha, right? Elisha. So, and then he said, open their eyes and they could open, they could see the multitudes, you know? Well, he opened the eyes so that they surrounded Elijah's. Right. Eli- it may have been Elijah. Maybe it was Elijah. No, I think it was Elisha yes. because they didn't name the servant. No, they didn't name the servant. Elisha was the bald one with the bears and the kids. It was Elisha, I'm pretty sure, because I think the servant maybe was. Told yeah. Marty he should have a shirt with Elisha on it, like the bald prophet <laughs> and like the bears, like attacking the kids and it should just say no heckling <laughs> <laughs> that's great that's great uh he surrounds his house servant walks out right it's a great image to me he walks out like Ooh, like he's gonna go do his morning chores yeah. and he looks around and literally on the ridge he's surrounded by an army and he runs inside freaking out and he says master master you know we're surrounded and basically elijah says something like well there's more force than they're against us or elisha sorry and uh, he says, God, open the eyes of the servant. And so when the servant opens his eyes, that's when he sees the armies of God right, that okay. are surrounding yeah. that army. Yeah. And then he, Elisha, instead of letting the armies of God destroy the other army, instead asks God to strike the enemies with blindness. He goes out and is like, hey, and they're all freaking out. He's like, why are you all freaking out? We can't see anything. He's like, well, here, I'll take you where you need to go. And he leads them straight into... Uh, the capital city where the king of Israel is leads him straight into where they're surrounded now by Israel and obviously they're goners. And then he says, God, open their eyes. And they their blindness leaves. They they open their eyes and look around and they're in the middle of their enemy's you know, fortress and it's over. And the king of Israel says, all right, you want me to kill him? And Elijah says, would you kill someone that you brought as a guest? You know, he says, no, I want you to prepare a feast for them. And that's when they prepare a feast and feed the enemies. And peace came between Israel. And I, I think it was the Arameans. I, I'm sorry, Johnny, you're, mm. I, did, I did not prepare for this. Yeah. But, but that was an amazing story. Like instead, I love of, it. It's, there's a million layers to that story. Oh, like sorry. I love the idea that like, like you said, God's presence is there. It's about becoming aware of it, mm-hmm. and we're blinded to it because of the the noise of this world. Yeah. And so sometimes in a moment with God that's quiet, you you actually become aware of it, but he's been there. You know, yeah. That's kind of what that story illustrates. And then you can go into the whole thing about, like, how, do we really, how should we really treat our enemies? And I know the Old Testament's full of God smiting enemies uh, of Israel, but it is interesting in that story about, like, it's not always the way that he dealt with it. Right. Um, so. Well, I mean, plenty of times. I mean, how much, how many people like Rahab or others who were on the enemy side, the God showed There was a way of escape. Yeah. yeah. He was, he was desiring that Israel would bless all nations. So yeah. it's very, very interesting. I also always thought it's funny to me that, that Elisha never asked God to open his eyes. We don't have any record that he actually ever saw huh. the armies. He may have just believed. Yeah. But he let he knew the servant was freaking out, so God let him see. I don't have to see. I know they're there. Wasn't they, the servant's name like Gehazi? Or I'm, something? I'm wondering if it's Gehazi because if so, he's the one that got that tried to buy or get the the treasure from Naaman, who was healed of leprosy after mm-hmm. Elisha had said not to. And I maybe so he didn't. He didn't. Maybe stay you know this the... could be we're in Elijah right now. I don't want to slander the name of the guy that's been dead for thousands of years. <laughs> if, Gehazi, if you're listening, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Just call in. And he got struck with the same. How dare you? <laughs> that was not me. That did not happen like you said. <laughs> Completely out of context. A Twitter uh, account. At Gehazi says. <laughs> <laughs> We've got one negative review. Oh, anyway, speaking of Twitter, we haven't heard some cool feedback from our question about going to 30 minutes or an hour or so. Yeah. Um, Are these coming to your Twitter or talk AB that pod? I'm, yeah, I guess I've got, I've got emails because I okay. told them, go to, and I got some to Facebook. <laughs> so, no, I'm not. I don't remember getting into the Twitter account specifically, but to social media. Feel free to email. follow talk AB that pod. 
That's, you can follow it. You can also follow Johnny you, W and John Driver yeah, because do that. We're gonna probably post to those accounts more than the other. For being honest, you know, but um, but we do need a landing spot, and that's fine. I don't know. I may be breaking some cardinal <sighs> social media rule right now, and everyone's like, "Oh my god!" We don't know what we're doing, guys. We, that's the funny thing about any of this. Nobody knows what no, they're doing. We're here to talk about that, not about that. <laughs> not a b that. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. So, listen to this. This is a little bit off topic, but because we were talking about this weekend. I had my first, uh, I wouldn't say Hollywood, but see, I signed with a different agency oh. early this year. Okay, Are so you I've allowed been, to say the name of the agency? Yeah, it's CAA, Creative Artists. So now Artists. we've had CCA, CCA, CCC, CAA. CAA is an agency. Yeah. Uh, and they're like a big agency. They're like global. They're huge. Like yeah. they have actors like Bradley Cooper and actor, you know, uh, singers like Carrie Underwood and all the country bands, Little Big Town and Zach Brown big Band. Big Little Town. And Big Little Town yes. and Big Big Town. That's I was the lead singer <laughs> of them. Uh, it's just some big guys, yeah. Uh, and so... I mean, I mean, it's really cool. So, uh, yeah, it's amazing. They signed me earlier this year, and so they're booking me now. And so, there's they have these big events, and so they're like, he started inviting me. Do you want to come to the K Love Awards? My agent was like, we have a table. Do you want? And I was like, I don't really. I, it was like Tuesday, and I had only one day off that week, and I was like, I just want to be with my wife tonight. She doesn't really want to go to this. You'll tell me when I need to be at one of these things, right? And he was like, absolutely. And then he texted me like the morning of. Monday, it was Monday morning, which I had a whole full day of CCA conference yeah. where I'm like on the board and I need to be there for everything. And he was just like, you're coming to this thing tonight, right? And I was like, ah. Did you even know about it? I knew about it, but he had told me originally, like, it's not that big of a deal. It's a lot of country artists. There will be some of the higher ups in the agency there that I want you to meet. Yeah. Not just like stars, but there will be some, right, some other folks, executives and things. He said, but it's fine. No big deal. Because he knew that I had a conflict. And then, for whatever reason, he just forgot all about that and was like, you're coming, right? <laughs> and so Dustin and I, Dustin Nickerson, another comedian friend of mine who you know, he signed with him like three days ago. Really? So he's brand new, and he's just like – and he was in town for a weekend of shows at Zanies too with Jeff. And then he was there for the CCA conference, too. So he's telling me, you're going to go with me, right? I'm not going to this by myself. So he's now he's trying to talk me into going. He's like, you're my plus one. They won't give me a real plus one. And so I'm just like, oh, yeah. So I was trying to figure out how to get out of the the CCA that night. Sometimes just kind of slip out without looking like a total right. dork. Like I've got something better to do. But Excuse evidently, me, my limo's pulling up. It's this like party they throw at the front the front end of CMA week. So it's a ton of country artists, but it's it's a lot of people. Like a ton of the Titans were there because uh, they represent them evidently. Really, and it was at Martin's Barbecue on Fourth, so they have the whole place. Like, they, I mean, it was more; it was bigger. Somehow, they had a courtyard area too that was quarantined off, and so probably a thousand. It must have been a thousand people jammed in this thing, wow. just so noisy. But anyway, I slip away. And what, to your point about uh, before, uh, we were talking a little bit about this before uh, about kind of community and all that stuff. And as I was slipping, I did like a showcase that night at CCA. I said, "Put me up early." Because I, I organized the lineup, too. I chose the comedians for this second showcase on a Monday night. And then I like did my set early. And Dustin put him up early so that we could slip out. But I didn't want to be like that guy. I wanted to stay and watch everybody's sets. Yeah. But so then I kind of like throw my backpack on. We're kind of trying to get out to get there in time, you know. And then like Leland Clausen, who's a great comic, he had done a show here at our church. And so we're just becoming closer friends. Like I know him very well, but like we had spent that weekend together. He was like, Johnny, he, I hear him whisper. I go, he goes, what? He goes, you okay? Like, I think he thought I was. Something was wrong. Like bummed out or something. And I was like, yeah, I got to go to this dumb thing. And I feel bad for just like leaving. So I didn't want to say bye to everybody, but I didn't want to like, you know. Yeah. But he must have just thought, I don't know what he thought. But I'm glad he reached out. That was kind of cool, you know. That said a lot about him. Yeah. He was like, if Johnny's not doing okay, I want to reach out. Yeah. Not just assume, well, he'll be fine. So kudos to him for that. I hope I've, I hope I do that. When I see people that are, you know, that I'm not sure about. Yeah. I think I have resting angry face anyway. <laughs> I just look tired a lot. People ask me if I'm tired a lot. <laughs> uh, and I am tired a lot of those times. Right. But it's just, I think I just have that look of like, this guy is right. burning it at both ends. <laughs> but anyway, I'm glad he asked. But so then I said, well, I'm going to this thing. So it was this cook. It's like a barbecue, obviously. But there's, I mean, it's stuff that I don't normally partake in. There's like beer pong, like a tournament 
of really? beer pong. Not just like, hey, we could play beer pong over here. It's like there's a bracket. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there's a bracket, so, you know, and like some of the names on the bracket were like very known names. I was like, all right, well, this person's and uh, the the guy was like, Chrissy Metz is over there. I go, Chrissy, who? He goes, Chrissy. I go, Chrissy Metz from This Is Us. Wow. Like the big girl from This Is Us was right over there playing beer pong. Wow. And I was just like, and I didn't. And then I immediately was like, I told my wife I wasn't coming to this mm-hmm. like two weeks earlier. And then I just I got swept up and came to it. And, and now I was like, of course, now I'm going to meet stars from shows that wow. she would kill me. So I had to like come clean with my wife later on that night and be like, I didn't take selfies with anybody. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't, I did not meet anybody. So all the people that I met were just like, Hey, I'm over, you know, A and R and I'm over whatever. And good to meet you. But I saw a bunch of people. You going to tell us anybody else you saw? I saw Derek Henry. I saw uh, Taylor Lewan. Yeah. They were in the finals against each other. In the beer pong. In the beer pong. So there a big... was a championship belt, like a WWF belt. Wow. And a trophy. Wow. And it was hoisted. Hoisted. And hoisted. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, but it was cool. Like, uh, De- the guy that plays Deacon Claiborne yeah. on Nashville. His name is, um, I can't remember his name. I know his name. I will say this. He is somehow better looking in person. <laughs> like, First of all, I'm not that guy that doesn't act like he doesn't see when dudes are attractive. Like, I just am totally comfortable saying, like, that's an attractive dude. This guy had the bluest eyes. It was unbelievable. No makeup. Estes is his last name. Okay. Uh, he was so friendly to everybody. Charles Esten. Charles. Meyer. <laughs> Steen. You don't know. You don't know his name. It's like Charles Estes. That doesn't sound right. Anyway. He was with a bunch of people, and so I didn't want to be like, sir, I love you. And he really is great. What a great actor. Oh, he is good. Uh, you know, he was in, um, you know, he's played a lot of military okay. roles. He was, I think he was one of the military guys in uh, the original, the, the Will Smith movie with the aliens. Sorry. Okay. Independence Day. Yeah. I think he was in that. He's was been he? in several. Yeah. Like All right. Like he's the, you know. He um he couldn't have been nicer. Uh, I could have gone and met him easily because there were people towards the end taking selfies with him. I didn't want to be that guy. But once I saw people, other people doing it, I thought, I still just don't want to bug him. Charles Esten, by Look the way. Look at you. You got it. Look at that. I think wow. I said Estes, but I was close. You were close. Um, but it was one of those things, too, where I had to confront that part of me that I don't think of myself as somebody who's kind of like wowed by that stuff. Right. Like, oh, let's go to this thing where there's these people and – I would immediately discount, oh, is there, they're going to be fake and it's whatever. And these are just like, I don't care to impress these people. But it was interesting. Uh, I, I had a good time. It was okay. It was a fun time. You know, I had my little plate of brisket and oh, yeah. Diet Coke. And I think yeah. I was the only one drinking Diet Coke in the bar, but I was having it. And uh, they were like, really? It's open bar. <laughs> yeah, I'll just have this. But uh, I, one, one thing was a funny moment. Uh it was at Dustin. We walked in, and we're immediately just like, "What?" Even like every—I mean, everybody in there was just so attractive. Dustin was like, "We are the ugliest people <laughs> in we're here," the and it's not close. <laughs> and then he immediately followed up by saying, "But they all wish they were funny." I was like, "Okay, well, that's well, that's that's the comforting you hope." Till you met one you of hope the actors you, who was yeah, and they're hysterical, right? It's a triple yeah. threat, quadruple threat. Charles Esten. To, Charles Esten was holding court yeah. over there with. <laughs> he just happened to choose this yeah. million dollar industry. Yeah. So that is a bummer. Like when you see somebody and they are like the triple threat, like Justin Timberlake. Yeah. He can sing, dance, act, and he's hysterical. He he's could be like, on Saturday Night Live anytime he wanted. Yeah. He could be a cast member. He's like, okay, dude. Right. What happened? What? Yeah. That's not fair. <laughs> That's not fair at all. That reminds me of that. Um, it, it it flies in the face. There's some uh, they're talking about last night in group about it's University of Phoenix or one of those commercials, and it's a really moving commercial. But it talks about it says that uh, talent is evenly distributed, but opportunity is not. Oh, okay, you know, uh, or skills or you know, right? There, but opportunity is not. It's a great idea, you know. That there's lots of people who just don't have the opportunity. You know, but yeah. you meet some people like nope, talent was not evenly distributed. Sure, to this, that guy. Guy. Yeah. this guy, but has maybe they there's maybe he's just a grinder and he just is like. I think too sometimes you have a talent or an aptitude for something, but you have fear, yeah, and it keeps you from ever trying or getting better at it. Yeah, like there's no way to know if Justin Timberlake was a terrible actor. Who really like took acting classes on the side, and we don't know it. When he was on tour with NSYNC, he was like the one who was reading books and learning about himself and figuring out. And 
We don't know any of that. We just think he just fell out of the sky like that. And it's probably it's offensive just, to him. Right. I know that that's always – anytime someone assumes that if you've done something significant in life, if, right. if they assume that you just fell into it. Yeah. And there's some truth maybe to that, but most people work hard. Yeah, I have a friend who's a comedian who's uh, probably one of the – he's probably one of the top ten comedians in the world. Uh, and I won't say his name because of this story, but he he said when he was going on Conan – for the first time, he's done Conan like four times. Now he's done Fallon like eight times. He's like Jimmy Fallon's favorite comedian. So he said when he was first going on Conan, uh, like two or three times, there'd be comedian friends of his or pe- people that weren't even friends. They were just kind of acquaintances. And they'd be like, can you get my tape to Conan's people so that I can be seen? And uh, we were talking about it one day at lunch, and he was like deeply offended by it. And I didn't understand at the time. I was a brand new comic. I was like, well, why wouldn't you help out your friends? Right. And the more he talked about it, and now that I've been a comedian like 10 years, I totally understand because it was like those people are almost like making light of the fact that he moved to Chicago to pursue comedy. He moved to New York with his family. Yeah. Then he moved to L.A. He did all these things. He went up every night, four times a night did open mics to maybe get seen by this person. And now you want this front of the line pass. Yeah. You're just, you're acting like, is that how I got it? Did I give somebody my tape? Like, that's not how you, like people think that that's how you get things that maybe it's that America's got talent and that American idol vibe of like, I just was a waitress one day and I got discovered and I was this, you know, jewel in the rough and someone found me and that's how it's going to work. So many, for so many people that I know, man, it's not like that at all. There's like this crazy amount of things they had to go through and, and battle and, uh, and doubt themselves and quit and go back and all the things you do. And, uh, and so it is, it made me kind of wary of like asking for things from friends who are more successful than me. It made me kind of reevaluate my own position on that. Like, I don't ever want to be that, like that whole idea of like hustle versus, because people say, it never hurts to ask. Like, sometimes it hurts. Like, sometimes <laughs> it hurts right. if you – it damages the relationship yeah. sometimes if you're just like – if they, that person feels used. Yeah. No, I think it only never hurts to ask if you've done you, – you'd have to know the 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 whether you have the have done the work or not to ask. Yeah. You know, even like a small-time writer like myself, yeah. small-time – I mean, I had to write 10 – to 12 books yeah. that nobody would ever publish before I could even begin working as a collaborator. Mm-hmm. I'm not even the main guy still. You might not even see my name on the book, Yeah, you know, but to be a part of writing with publishers, you know, I, and, and there are many days you wanted to quit in the middle of that, but either you're going to love doing this and feel like you should do it right. or, or not. Well, or just doubt your gift, you know, oh, constantly yeah. because you're like, well, maybe this is just what it is. Because I know many people who will never be good at what they think they're called to do, and it's really upsetting. Because yeah. I don't know what to say to those people. Well, there's you know? some people that don't need to be doing what they're pursuing. That's what I mean. Yeah. So yeah. you don't. You, so when you start seeing those people, I've I've been around those people, and so you're like, maybe I'm just one of those people. And you start getting no after no after no. Yeah. You're like, is this? Am I deluding myself? Like, is this just? Yeah, I, I really struggle, and even if if you. As you know, we talk a lot about being very vulnerable and very honest, even to uh, what people will consider, you know, brutal. But we feel like real relationships are saying, in fact, I sat down with friends the other day and said, look, there's some things I'm contemplating. If I don't need to be contemplating because all of you can see a blind spot that I can't see. Right. I don't need to be pursuing this or this because I'm not made for it. Obviously, I don't have the gift for it. Obviously, I don't have the mindset for it. I will make my decision, but I want to know if you think that. Like I may still go after it, but I want to. I don't want to be the guy burying my head. In the you sand. want to know if we doubted you, so that when you succeed, you'd be like, "All right, All right take that, suckers." <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I did get honest feedback. Like, well, here's where I think you're most. You know, um, but I really do struggle when I see somebody. I'm trying to be that guy who's honest, but I also know I'm not. I think the key is you're going to make this decision. I may be. Mm-hmm. I may be right. But I may be right today, and that could change tomorrow because you might grow in this in a way that I can't see. Yeah. So all you really can say is up to now. Up to now, I can say this is my opinion of this. Um, heck, I've seen comedians in your world that I've watched over the years at different shows and different things that I thought, man, this guy shouldn't be doing comedy or whatever. Yeah. And today, 
they're like hilarious. Yeah. Because you know they kept at it and 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 grew into something. I think it's there's such a there's such a you know non or unrealistic sort of mindset to us if we think we're just going to. And you remember we were in the band. Yeah. God, you know, and we worked hard. There's no doubt. We played a lot of shows and traveled for no money and played for pizza and all those things and did it for the right reasons. And, you know, yeah. Um, and we became better at what we did. We really did grow as, as a band, but we always saw interactions to your point with like celebrities in that market. We always saw them as opportunities Mm-hmm. We, we, I never just sat and enjoyed an experience. Right. You know, if we were going to, now I did enjoy the Switchfoot show. I remember that one show we got an opportunity to open for Switchfoot and they were yeah. like, they were like the, oh my gosh, band and still are to me. And yeah. I mean, I still ways. think John Foreman is like such a gift to <laughs> our is. culture. Yeah. They keep doing good music and great songs. Well, you talk about vulnerability. That's the secret to his whole life Yep, is that he's just this open wound. You know, and uh, he just keeps pouring. I mean, I love it. I love I love the idea of him. Uh, And so meeting him and finding out that he was what I thought he was, was really kind of satisfying to me. Oh, absolutely. Well, at some point, you've got to think a guy who's that prolific is doing that much stuff. Mm -hmm. It can't be. You can. I'll hear songs all the time. I go, I really wonder if that songwriter really meant it to the level or if it was just a cool hook. Yeah. You know. Uh, but if they write 70 of those, mm-hmm. then you go, you know, odds are this is not just a cool hook, yeah. you know, if we're in that vein, that there's something that the quantity of it's going to reveal its quality at some point in, in terms of its authenticity. But yeah, I think about from for what I do, uh, I face I have to face fear a lot, uh, but there is still a, once you've tackled like the fear of like, OK, was this going to work? And then you get an hour of stuff that you love <clears throat> that works in every room right. that you do it in. Then you can settle in. Well, so you've conquered that fear. So now the fear is like, well, will they like this new thing? So you can settle. Like there's nights I go back and I'm like, uh, if they, if I feel pushback, it's really easy just to go back to the old stuff mm-hmm. that you know works rather than push forward. So that's when you can start to stagnate as a comedian. But I think it, like the whole gist of be doing comedy. And the reason I think most comics are the same kind of broken is that we all want to be liked. Um, I was telling Darren Streblow about this. I said, <laughs> I said, comics are this amazing combination of complete crippling insecurity because we need laughs to validate our existence. And mm-hmm. we're only as good as our last show. So it's crippling insecurity combined with like staggering arrogance that says, this thought I just had about Q-tips needs to be amplified right. for the whole world to hear. I'm right. the first person to have ever thought this, I'm sure, and you're going to want to hear it. Those two things are always in concert together in their mind, and uh, that's why they're so fascinating people to be around. It's like I know that's at play in your mind. Something You have some degree of all of that going on. So for me, it's like I want to be liked so much that the tendency is to – compromise what I'm saying on stage or to not, well, I don't want to go there because it's, that's going to be not, I'm saying like dirty. I'm talking about like a hard issue to talk about. Right. Uh, or even like if I wanted to share my faith in a position in a situation like shit, but this is going to, then I'm going to make the show all serious and it might derail the energy of this, like the fear of that or like, so conquering that, uh, is the next way for me. Like how do I keep pushing and keep pushing and keep growing? And so it, People that people look at somebody that's on stage controlling a crowd for an hour and they think this guy is just another he's an alien. Mm-hmm. But I promise you there's a million insecurities, there's all things going on. It's just somebody that kind of is tapping into some something that you know, we all share and so it looks easy, but it's you know, it's not. Well the myth that people who are well known or are uh, wealthy yeah. or are successful in this world. I don't know how to get away. I think social media has exasperated the, the inner belief that we all have of it. And as much as I know it's not true, I still somehow believe it on some level. If I see you like I'm holding a Tim Keller book, you know, in my mind, cause I don't know Tim Keller. 
Right. Like the dude, the dude's writing is so. I mean, so I, I do. I geek out on the writing. Like, oh man, this is really well done. It's, he says important things. He says important things well. He addresses important topics, and you go, and, and you just you begin to now raise him to this level. Just maybe just in writing, you know. Yeah. I know he's a dude, and we sat with him, but he doesn't have the same. You know, I'm <laughs> I'm editing my comedy book right now. They want me to cut. Like twelve thousand words out. Wow, it comes that's out a lot of January. words, John. Well, they told me to go crazy and they dial me back, and so but cutting it's interesting because they want me to not cut words if an illustration they've already hired the illustrator is involved. So I'm literally trying to nitpick to to around things that I'm not cutting an illustration that we've paid for and all those things. Oh, okay, and I look at it and go, Tim Keller's not dealing with that today. <laughs> you know, you think he ever ever gets edited? No, I, I think that he probably has a team or a staff. He may. That's the point. He may They're be afraid sitting, to edit him. Or don't want to. Or have all these, Mister Keller, Mister Keller. I have all these shelves in my garage. That's when I really. That's what really hits me, and I'll laugh about it if somebody arrives with me. Yeah. So I'll, I do all. So Reggie Dabs and I write books together, and I also do all of his product management for his books. So I'll order them from the publisher. I will warehouse them. I will keep up with where they're going, where they're coming, and you know. It's, and, and so I'm packaging. I have to sometimes if they put the wrong number of books in a box, I have to unpackage it, repackage it, put the mailing label on it, take it to the shipping place, and I'm just carrying boxes in and out. And I always just sit and laugh if you know. Sometimes somebody ride along and be like, you know what? I bet this is exactly what Max Licato is doing today. Yeah. Like he's in his garage, yeah. you know, unloading books. But I love it though. Trying and, to figure out where you put the roll of clear tape oh, to tape the labels on, and you run out, or you put a label down on accident, and the wind blows it off your truck yeah. while you're trying to, or it sticks to the tape in the wrong place, and now you've ripped it. Max Lacay would probably write a book that would have an illustration about why that's like the gospel, <laughs> right? And then I'm the like, label was written on God's heart when he. It would be a whole thing. <laughs> the tape never. It always holds, brother, and it would be a whole thing. We'd be. It would sell a million copies, right? And I'd still be in my garage. If you're out there, Max Licato, we love you. Yes, please, please uh, write about me. But and I do think, and you think about the Kate Spade thing, you know that right. the the idea that somebody has a life devoid of major problems. I mean, how many people have to take their own lives? You think of Robin Williams and others before we really begin to you know, deal with because it's such a it's such a jarring thing to us. The reason it made news is somebody is well known for something. Yeah. And then there is a shock to it because there is an assumption. An assumption that you are the upper crust, you are the elite yeah. in some area and therefore we do not ascribe to you or we do not even allow you necessarily yeah. to to have the same problems that quote unquote normal people like us have. And I think it's such a, I think it's such a, um, a misnomer. And you think about, and we're talking a lot, you know, right now in our community here about having real conversations and, and not avoiding and not hiding and not isolating and not, you know, if, if I mean, like I said before, if I mean someone who doesn't, if we're going to really be friends yeah. and you never begin revealing to me some deep, dark place that you have or secret or issue, then I used to, you know, Christians are suspicious of those who yeah. have deep, dark places. And what's wrong with that guy? Now I am suspicious of you. If you don't, if right. you don't reveal something real, then, then I know this, I no longer believe this to be the case that there are people who don't have that. I believe the problem with the church is that we are not putting those things out front so that we're creating this false dichotomy of what people think church should be. So they're walking in and, and they said it last night in group. It's like, Someone said, well, it's not like we're all saying we're not we're not saying, oh, we're all perfect. Mm-hmm. And, and it hit me. And I said, you know, I think it's not what we're saying is what we're not saying. Yeah. What we're not saying is creating the impression that that we're not really living real lives where people are facing depression or people are facing moments where they're considering harming themselves or they're yeah. facing just checking out of life. You know? Yeah. And, and even so, like, uh, I mean, I've seen. Uh, since the suicides of from Williams and then we lost Chris Cornell last year. And, um, that was a big one to me. I grew up, uh, listening to Soundgarden and I think he was probably one of the best voices of our generation, just incredible singer and seemed like a really like, uh, gentle soul and, uh, but obviously a troubled person. And, 
you know, there was tape, a uh, cell phone video of his, their last concert, which nobody knew would be their last concert. It was just a show they were doing in Detroit. And then he just went back to his hotel room and hung himself and nobody really understood or hmm. knew what was going on in his mind. He had talked to his wife. They were making plans. There was, it, I mean, who knows what happens in that moment. And sometimes I think Christians, uh, maybe they're well-meaning, uh, maybe not. Uh, sometimes uh, I, I question because uh, it seems like people jump right on something like this. I even saw it with the Kate Spade thing. And, um, you know, here she's worth $200 million and it wasn't enough. You know, if only she'd had the peace that God gave, all this stuff, you know. Right. We want to immediately make it like um, we don't even, I don't even, we don't even know anything about her spirituality, but we just want to make sure that we get this plug in. And it's like the family reads Twitter guys. Like they don't, this is like gut punch to them. I think like, let think about what you're saying, but I will say this. Um, we were raised to believe kind of like, um, that you just push through and, and a feeling of hopelessness or a feeling of despair was not, um, congruous with a life in Christ. Mm -hmm. So it felt like it was wrong. I must be doing something wrong if I feel heaviness while I claim the name of Christ. And um, so people would just push it down and marriages, how many marriages where they wouldn't go get counseling because they thought, well, if anyone found out that I was working on this, Mm -hmm. it would be like, that would be like a failure worse than divorce to them to admit that they're weak. Uh, uh, and mental illness is is coming more to the forefront. We're learning more about it. It's becoming less of a stigma, but it's still such this. I mean, what more dismissive thing can you say to somebody than you're crazy? Right. That's the most dismissive thing you can say. Like your thoughts don't matter now because we've decided mm-hmm. you're crazy. Like, and so this idea. I hope that we're moving forward as a church to where we can say there are people who still feel incredible despair because we live in a fallen world. Even if they claim the name of Jesus, even if they're going through sanctification and God's working on them, they're, he's doing things, but like, it's just, we live in a fallen place. That's empty. Then one of my favorite verses that I read almost every time I ever do a Sunday service is from Isaiah 58. And the message translation says, I will give you a full life in the emptiest of places. Mm. And you know, God didn't promise to fill the place. He promised to give us a full life in the empty place. And sometimes that just is how it feels. I'm looking, I pray that to God all the time. God, give me a full life in the emptiest of places today. Yeah. And so sometimes it's just like, a, it's hard when you feel like you're going to be judged by people who should be the most merciful. And so if you're a believer in Christ and you have those feelings uh, of despair, I mean, I hope that you'll reach out to somebody there's no reason to suffer alone. It doesn't mean that you're not saved. It doesn't mean that the Christ isn't with you. In fact, if anything, it's the, it's the Imago Dei. It's the image of Christ that he shares our sorrows with us. Right. Uh, he was a man of sorrows right. equated he with grief. Too. Yeah. And so you're really mirroring that in that in some way. And so, um, I don't know. Yeah, the the and we talk a lot about the prosperity gospel, but I think that the side of it that's unrelated to money is that really where it comes out of is that that the message of Jesus is one that will make us happy. And we talked about that the other day about happiness being a pursuit unto itself. Yeah. And we and I don't want to go into the classic, you know, delineations between joy and happiness and all those things. But I think that the I think the thing we really miss sometimes that what the gospel brings to you is is hope and and enjoy is a part of that. But hope is something you have by definition, by biblical definition. Hope is something that you hold to while you don't have the thing you're hoping for. Yeah. By definition, if you have the thing, you no longer hope for it. And so there's going to be some grieving or some angst or, you know, there's going to be something in that state. If you need hope or if you have hope, then it means you're something you're, you don't yet have, but you are believing for and allowing that hope to enrich your current state while you wait. In fact, that the Greek word for hope means to wait it, it, or it has to do with waiting. So, so this, this concept of yes, guys, it, 
in Christ or in especially in, in things of this world, whatever we seek or in success or in money and all those things, we're still going to need to hope for something more. If we expect it to satisfy, it, it is um, it is a, an embedded lie so deep within us that we don't – even if we can – even as I, as I articulate it, I know tomorrow I'll wake up and it's almost like – it's like I, I'm going to wake up in the same state. It's like Groundhog Day. Yeah. I'm going to wake up like Bill Murray and I'm going to be back in that again where I have to once again work my way out of – the lie inside that there's something I can accomplish, something I can earn, something I can buy, something – a person I can impress. There's going to be something today, a yeah. goal I can meet that's going to satisfy me. Right. And in that, when it doesn't, I have lost hope because hope means I recognize the thing that really satisfies me is here, but he also has for me something in my future that will be something I can't, I can't reach now. So therefore, I will live in the hope of that. Um, but you're right about if you feel that what we're really what the the, the 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 great tragedy of all of it in whether it's a celebrity or whether it's just you listening or me and you, Johnny, who both I think struggle yeah. with some level of feeling low or depression, other things. I mean, I don't know of a person who doesn't. Well, I mean, I think more so since I started doing this job, honestly, because it's my job to think about things. Yeah. You know, if you just go in and punch a clock and you do it, you, you know, you make widgets all day or whatever you do, you do data entry, you clock out, you go home. Uh, and I'm not trying to make it like that's, I've got such a harder life. I don't mean it that way. I'm just saying the nature of my job is, is to think about my, how I feel about things, how other people feel about things, what's going on, what's in the news. So it's literally, uh, Yeah. No wonder you'd, you'd feel bad. Yeah, yeah, you'd feel bad a lot because a lot of what you think about is bad. I mean, it's just yeah. you have to convince yourself to think about the good things. You have to you have to will will yourself to be positive. You know, yeah. it's easy to just read if you just read Twitter and Facebook. Guess what? A wave of depression is coming. Oh gosh! Because it's just cognitive dissonance all over the place. It's mm-hmm. like, I mean, it's a. I mean, I have friends on both sides of the aisles politically, so it's like that's just like a fight. Literal, like you just go one after the other. You're an idiot. This guy, whatever. And um, so, yeah, it's like I think that I'll fight that heaviness for sure. Um, and and I probably have a life that a lot of people would look at. Uh, I met a lot of them this week. Young comics who look up to me, yeah. uh, unbelievably so, because I have some modicum of what they think that if they had that. Yeah, and uh, it's such a lie, but and we know it's a lie, but we just still wake up thinking, "Yeah, but if I had a bus, but right. if I had a plane, right? If but my, if I had sold out shows everywhere, if I had my house paid off, that's you know, a big one for me. If I had, if I had a Tim Keller book yeah. success, if I had just mm-hmm. New York Times, or if I had a church of two thousand, or if I had, it's all, when the people that have the, the people that have in my line of work, people that have success on TV, you know mm-hmm. what they want." Respect from their peers. Yeah. Because a lot of times your friends all turn on you because, well, now you've been on The Tonight Show. You know, right. I bet you think you're all that. And they all walk away or they talk bad about you. Or they don't talk to you unless they want something to your previous story. And so right? what you want is like, I wish I could be respected like such and such. And it'd be some unknown guy, but every comic loves him. You know, there's mm-hmm. a thing called a comics comic, yeah. you know, and uh, that's a real guy. He's brave. He's doing this and this. He doesn't even care if he's ever seen you know, but you know, oh, but you did. It's like it's a weird thing. Like we all want, we don't have the the seven foot center wants to shoot threes in the NBA now, <laughs> right? Uh, you know what I'm saying? The we're guard so, wishes he could dunk. You know, we are so uncomfortable in our own life skin. Like we just we 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 have this. <laughs> it's so funny. So there's a video I've shot for our message on Sunday, and we're talking about pursuing one another relationally, which yeah. I really think is so key to this conversation. You know. We, and it sounds, it's like I spend half of my time trying to break through the the words, like okay, whatever it is you think I'm saying, I'm going to spend half of my time just getting you to stop thinking about it like that. Yeah, you know that that's what that's what social media or a life in church can do to you is you become cynical to the very words that could free you from cynicism. Yeah, and so it's a it's a vicious. A vicious place. So words like we say them all the time. And if you say them, you know, 
uh, grace or transformation or community or relationship and it's like, oh, okay, you you file them away somewhere and you, you don't let them actually reach you. Mm-hmm. So they don't. And you grow in your cynicism and you grow into a negative place, but you you literally can't see the role that you have in that process when you turn away a certain thing, even if somebody did abuse its use or someone misused it. But we're talking about, I, I, I don't want to if, if we post this over the weekend, it'll just ruin the sermon, Johnny, because you know, everyone's going to be there. They're all right. Gonna you're you're tipping the hand they're gonna there. Be, yeah. They're going to be completely hanging on every word that I say. You know, it's going to be like, heard it. <laughs> I know where he's going. Malachi six. <laughs> That's fine. But I, t- I talked about it'd be great it. great to have hecklers in church, wouldn't it? It'd be amazing. I wish they just heckle out loud instead of inside or behind my back like That's I know true. they do. Like I'd rather just – can we just come out with a it? True friends, too long. A, a true friend stabs you in the front. That's some of my, one of my favorite quotes. Yeah. Yeah. You're boring. Anyway, uh, <laughs> John, I give you permission. A real friend will heckle me from the, in, while I'm doing it. Oh, I'm so coming and doing that. But in the video, I talk about organic things and how yeah. our culture is obsessed right now with organic foods, which means they're free from pesticides or free from uh, artificial – genetic alterations, things like yeah. that. And for good reason, they're better for us. Right. But we've taken that term and applied it to so many other things. And we really have it backwards when it comes to relationships in, in Christian community. Like all the time from a guy who tries to build community, I have launched more groups over the years or yeah. systems than, than, um, than any, anybody I know. And they, some succeed, some fail. It comes down to the fact that I can't, I can't, as much as I could walk you through these things, even in my own life, like I can't be there and make this thing work. So yeah. what we're really trying to do is retrain all of us to take ownership and not just wait for the system and certainly not wait for what's perfect. Because what we say we want is – and people don't tell me, well, I, I don't want to go to some conjured group. Like I want something organic. Right. Meaning – and what and I'll break that down in the video. What you, what you mean is, is you want something that – with people you easily connect, which has a great validity to yeah. it. Yeah, feels natural. You're just not, yeah, it feels natural. But also lots of people want it to be accidental. Yeah. Like, well, we didn't really try. It just kind of happened. You got peanut butter in my chocolate. Right. You got chocolate in my, and, and then, then you, you, know, you invent Reese's together. Hey, and you're my best friend, you know, and I'll look at you and go, well, yeah, we just kind of happened to meet one day. And so, yes, those things happen. Yeah. But since then... There has been a many a long list of moments in in our relationship where yeah. nothing was accidental. It had to be on intentional. purpose. It yeah. had to be intentional. Right. And this, in fact, I go into that. Think about organic foods. Do you think those grow accidentally? Actually, organic foods take, take more work, twice yeah. as much intentionality, right. twice as much because someone had to pick the right seed and mm-hmm. dig the right kind of hole and space in the right way, and then they had to fend off the pests and the insects. And, and all that's the why things. they cost more too. Right. So if you really want organic relationships, you're going to have to be more intentional about them and not less. And I think to that end, if you're struggling with something, well, we, we don't mean like just more intentional about meeting times, more intentional about going to dinner. That's fine. And, and, and Andrew and I have been talking about this a lot. When you're with somebody, mm-hmm. man, have fun. Go to Top Golf. Hit, you know, go on vacation together. Do those things. But, but is there ever a moment when you're really talking is there ever a moment when you're intentional? Because you're, we're so afraid. We talk about it on the podcast sometimes. Yeah. In the very beginning, remember? Yeah. We we kind of evaluate the last podcast, and y'all might go, John, you made a hard turn there. Yeah. Which means we went from funny to something serious too quick, and we're all afraid of hard turns. And I know why. They can be awkward and jarring, and absolutely, we should be wise about that. But there may be because we're time constrained in this uh-huh. world. If you have a real friend that you're trying to grow in a relationship in a way that God says you should grow. Yeah. In a way that's going to, not because he said it to weigh you down, right? but he said it to set you free because this is what you're missing. This is why people mm-hmm. are, are literally, they would, they would rather die. Yeah. They would rather die. And so tragically, I would rather hurt myself, maybe even kill myself than be real. Yeah. Than, than come out with what it, because it's more, I mean, how tragic to think that I, I would rather hold what is most painful to me with what I'm struggling with out of shame or whatever. I would yeah. rather I would rather go to a grave than go to a friend and, yeah. and, and be real about what it is because the journey seems hard or it seems to be exposing to me. But that idea of, I mean, being intentional, be intentional to say I'm struggling. And then friends, this is the mutuality that matters. If your friend has not mutually agreed, Right. To be that friend for you, then you're going to be disappointed. But you have to 
our relationships got to grow where we say, hey, man, listen, I'm going to talk to you about what I'm struggling with. I'm going to talk to you about what I'm struggling with in faith. Yeah. I'm going to talk to you what I'm struggling with. And here's what I want from you. I want you to listen. Right. And then I want you, and again, I told you the other day, I want you to tell me what you're really thinking. I'll be responsible for what I decide or do or don't do. Mm -hmm. I want you to share what you do know about Christ with me on this matter. And if you don't know anything, I want you to say that. Yeah. I don't want you to sit there in insecurity and not address the thing that I need you to do because you don't think you have the perfect answer. And that that's my whole point of the organic thing. We will not have the relationships we want because we're waiting for the right natural, quote, organic, quote, accidental, quote, perfect situation. Yeah, like in Hollywood, they would call that, like in a movie, that it's called a meet cute. That's like a part of a script where the girl's at the fruit stand and actually bumps into the guy and then they have a cute little conversation and they fall in love. Like that's trained our minds to believe that we, it's why a lot of people don't have any, they've not made any friends since grade school Yeah, because they're like, that's when you're just most open to accepting new friends and they're just not taking applications anymore. They're <laughs> right. 40 and they're like, look, it's just me and Bobby from sixth grade. Well, now Bobby's a jerk, right. you know, and he's a totally different person than you, but it's like, you've not learned to trust anybody else. And, uh, I just don't have room in my life anymore for that, man. I, I find, uh, the, when I started having deep conversations with people uh, who were my friends and opening up, it's like addicting. Like I don't, I don't want to just have service conversations uh, conversations anymore. It's like it's a, uh, it's a, uh, it, it's so nourishing to talk yeah. with somebody on that level. You walk away from it being like, okay, this was so much better. Uh, even though I am driven as to be a surface person because of the fear that if I go deep, they might not accept me. Okay. But if I'm really like real with somebody and then the more times it happens that you go, wow, that was really great. I got, I feel like this weight's been lifted and I feel like I know that person better. And now I know how to love them better. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know that about you. So now I know it explains things about you to me. So that thing that I may have negative about you go, well, no wonder I didn't know his dad was a drunk like my dad. Yeah. And then you go, this is, and then now you know things instead of just being like, how was the game? Like, there's a time for how was the game? Yeah. And there's a time for like, where are you? What's going on for real? Yeah, and if you're not having those kinds of conversations yeah. at some point in your life, you need to ask why. And, and I think it comes down to the fact that, you know, you, tell me the Isaiah quote again for the message. Uh, it's from Isaiah 58, and it says, I will give you a full life in the emptiest of places. And I think that the full life that God is giving is not just a feeling. It is also wrapped up in his people. Yeah. And that is a radical message. If if we said, okay, if say it like this, the church is the life that you've always longed for. People go, well, no, because I've gone to church. I've this and that. No, 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 no. Not going to, not the church on the corner, but right. the capital C, like lived rightly. It just means God's people. Yeah. People who are who are saying, listen, I agree and I, I'm going to make my belief systems that we've all agreed to. Yeah. I'm going to live this out with you. That's the thing I talk about is if you go to med school, you go to med school and you can spend three, four years studying all these amazing things. It does no one any good to you go into a hospital and practice. Right. And when you go in, no one's expecting you to be an expert, though you've studied everything. It's going to be messy. It's going to, you're going to make mistakes. It's going to be, but this adventure, we're afraid to go practice this stuff because of the mess of it. We want to skip to be the 20 year world renowned surgeon. And the bottom line is, is we're a bunch of med students with a whole lot of knowledge is not doing anybody any good. Yeah. And so until I sit down with you or begin living life with other believers, I'm not going to, it's going to feel fake. It's going to feel wrong because it is. This is not the life, the the full life that God actually intends for us is not found outside of those kinds of relationships. I believe that now. It is not found. Unless you crash land on an island, God might make another way for you. (laughs) But but most, if you live on this planet with other people and you want a full life, and here's the deal, outside of faith, it's already true. Think about it. It is most true inside of faith. The reason is, is all truth is God's truth. But people who have the most fulfilling lives in this world without God are having it in relationships with other people, mm-hmm. you know. Which is an image of God. It's, it's, a, total, an Im- it's a reflection of him. Yeah, it's just a, it's like, yeah. It's, it's like, like a, it's like just a flash of yeah. what that is. It's just like a, a fog of that. Yep. 
It's like um, a trickle down, but it's not. Yeah, I always say that to people who do missions trips. I'm like, there's a scripture in Ephesians that says, uh, you're his masterpiece and you're doing the good works he, that Jesus Christ created for you long ago. He set it up. Yep. So when you go into a place and you're building a house for somebody and you're like, it's like an endorphin rush. Yep. It's because you're literally stepping into the place you were made, you were made to be. Yep. And, uh, that's why it's fulfilling because it's supposed to be about other people. Yeah. And when we only focus on ourselves, that's when it feels heavy and that's when it feels, yeah. you know, so. As much as the, you're prone to do it. Right. Like it's your, it's your default, but your defaults, you know, there's just, there's certain things in my life that always go back to the wrong default, you yeah. know, on my computer or whatever. Before we started the podcast, I had to go in and change the channel. It's not going to work if I don't put it on this channel, you know, even if yeah. it keeps going back to it every time, I need to not act like it's going to work. Um, so man, if you're out there, yes, especially if you're feeling low and, and, and all those things, share. And if you don't have friends you can share with, it may be time to evaluate, you know, not your friends, but the relationship with the friends you have. Maybe you can talk to them about that. Maybe you could grow together in it. It's not just throw all your friends away, but you need to find friends who are like-minded. As Johnny always says, you are the average of the five people. I know you didn't say that originally, but you're the average of the five I'll people. I'll take you total credit love. for it. Yeah. You know? So, hey, man, that's a uh, – we'll see if we can run it out in live time again. Oh, you're going to start the thing now? It's so going it to start feels... here in about 10 seconds probably. And uh, I enjoy doing that and seeing if it works. So I don't, this podcast What should... do we say now though? How was the game? Did you, <laughs> did you watch the game? It's a 3-0 lead right now with – Oh, uh, it's ugly. Uh, so all of King James. He's... And I'm such an NBA apologist. I love the NBA. and. Yeah. The finals have been such garbage the last few years. It's just, I don't, I don't know, know if it's garbage. Do. I mean, the one team's better. That's than That's what I mean. Else. It's just not so dominated by one team. And they're just like super. If you dominated your industry, would you think it was garbage? It's like the Space Jam. You know what I'm saying? They're just not, it's not fair. We need <laughs> Bugs Jam. Bunny. We need Bugs Bunny, guys. <laughs> guys, we do appreciate you listening. Make sure that you share it. Uh, one thing we're saying is if, you, if, if it affected you this week, could you just share it with one person, ask them to subscribe and download. Well, a lot of people are going back in time. They'll go, oh, man, I'm starting to listen. Now I'll go back to the old episodes. Johnny, the music is building, uh, and it is electric, literally. It is. It's, it's so exciting. Something. So yeah. we're excited that you're with us listening, and we'll hopefully have you back next week on... Talk about that. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ.